Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we've spent a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Everybody, welcome to episode five. We're going to talk about values and practices for opening to God together. And Ruth, we've talked kind of a lot about uh, the kinds of things that we need to do as a spiritual community to um, not just do tasks. But we all know, uh, those of us who've tried it, is that when we there is a whole lot to do. Mm-hmm. And so community is one of those things that is the first to go usually. Mm-hmm. So that's a question. And as you answer the question, I need to ask for my own personal mm-hmm. clarification. Mm-hmm. When we say community in, in, in church leadership teams, are we just talking about two hours of checking in about mm-hmm. how the kids are doing and stuff? Oh, I or hope not. Something different. <laughs> I hope not. Please. <laughs> no, when I talk about community, I'm you know even the, the etymology of the word, that we're coming together in unity around something. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we're coming together in unity around the fact that we want to be transformed in Christ's presence so that we can discern and do the will of God. That's our unity right there. So... I think we often do reduce the idea of community to the warm, fuzzy conversations and feelings and socializing and backyard barbecues and all that. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a pretty rigorous uh, kind of experience at the leadership level. It has to do with transformation and discernment. So any checking in we want to do, we want to be sharing with one another at that level. So I don't think it has to do with the sharing as much as it has to do with the things that we've chosen to value together and the practices that enable us to live out our values. Because one of the things that I've seen and experienced and that I know is that values are just nice sounding ideas until we have practices that help us to live out our, our values in concrete ways. So I have seen groups do great work on their values. I, all of us have seen that. You know, you have these big brainstorming sessions with post-its and all that, and then somebody takes the results of that meeting and puts it in this very nice graphically designed document. But oftentimes the values just fall apart in the end when push comes to shove because there were no concrete practices that were established in order to help people to live out their values. And so that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having clearly identified values that we feel are important in community, practices that help us to live out our values, and then eventually even a commitment or a covenant around how we're going to do our lives together. That's what I mean when I talk about community at the leadership level. Beautiful. So can we start talking about specific Mm -hmm. values and practices that really do undergird this kind of community? Yes. Well, first of all, I don't suggest that you start with a blank page. You don't have to start with a blank page. Every community has some values that they're already doing really well and even values that drew them together. So for instance, one of the values that drew the Transforming Center together, which you've already alluded to, was the passage in Mark 6, where Jesus calls his disciples first to be with him and then to send them out to do something. So we gathered in the beginning with the belief and agreement that gathering around the presence of Christ was our first and foremost task. And then later on talks about discernment, which is what we're talking about here, and that his community, Jesus' community, is those who who do the will of God. And we thought, wow, could we come together um, because we want to come together around Jesus' presence. We're feeling called to that. And can we come together around this desire that we have to discern and do the will of God and what practices will undergird that? So that became really what 
caused this community to emerge in the first place was seeing some values that we wanted to live together. And we did that. We lived that reality before we wrote down anything. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to write down our values, it was easy to get started because there were some things we had already been living together in a very intentional way. Uh, Community, transformation, discernment, equality, and unity within diversity. Those Those were the first values we were living before we even wrote them down on a piece of paper. We had articulated them enough to live them, but you know, we hadn't, we didn't have our fancy graphics yet. So I would encourage people to start with looking at the values that has, have already been at work among you, the the values you're already embracing together, the values that drew you together in the first place, and make sure you start with the things you're, you're already doing and doing well. You're not just trying to pick and choose from every vision statement you've read at any, you know, in all these different places. So um, it's a great way to begin and to affirm those things. And then I will also say that it could be that over time you've learned some things that actually surfaced some other some other commitments among you, and that's mm-hmm. been our experience as well. That there were about five that we started with, and then in our 15 years of life together, we've added some things along the way that we've learned through the hard knocks of life are actually very important. Yeah. So that's that's an answer that has to do with process because I want to be careful that people don't just try to adopt ours, right? Because that's not that's not um, what we're talking about. We're actually talking about um, listening for what God's already doing within our own community. Now, um, at the same time, I do think that there are certain values that would be assumed among Christian people who are seeking God together. Um, so the value of spiritual transformation, for instance, the transforming community exists out of a commitment to that value. So you might ask, well, how do you live that out? What are the practices that help you to live the value of spiritual transformation? And we have very concrete answers to that. One is, um, ever since we started meeting, we've practiced fixed hour prayer together and we've practiced significant solitude and silence. So even today, if you come to one of our retreats, you will practice fixed hour prayer with us and you will have four hours of solitude on the second day. Those two things have shaped our commitment from the very, very beginning. And we, we wouldn't even be us if we didn't practice those things. And why do we practice those practices? Because we believe that those practices profoundly open a group individuals and groups to the presence of Jesus Christ. In solitude and silence, we let all of our own human striving fall away. We open ourselves in a receptive way to the presence of God. Um, And then fixed hour prayer just contains the beautiful prayers of the church, the scriptures, silence, worship, things that we know open us to the presence of Jesus Christ, and also express um, our willingness for Jesus to be present and to do things among us that we wouldn't have been able to plan. Even the lighting of a candle, in that in that setting, in our fixed hour prayer setting, we light a candle and it is the Christ candle. And so the Christ candle represents for us the real presence of Jesus Christ mediated through the Holy Spirit and reminds us that we're not the active agents in this gathering. Jesus is the active agent and we're opening to him. And so even some of these ritual gestures that we make are really important ways of reminding ourselves of what we value and what we're trying to live. So that's just one example of a value, spiritual transformation, that we live through concrete practices. And I'll add one that I've observed in the Transforming Center, and that is celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the story mm-hmm. about uh, how that emerged. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I think it began when it was just, you know, 12 or 15 of you. No, doing... it was when there were six of us. Oh, just six just of you. Just the six of us who actually started the Transforming Center. On our first retreat... Um, we were actually in a place that provided a beautiful dinner for us. And 
we had, you know, really nice wine and all that. And we sort of fell into it by accident. And then we realized this is really meaningful. We've done a lot of hard work around community today. We've been in solitude. God has done good work in us. We've really shown up in a responsible way for the spiritual journey today. And now let's celebrate. It felt so good to just let down and talk and laugh and be that we realized we want to make this a part of every time we get together. And from that moment on, we always have a celebration anytime we get together. And so if you're part of the Transforming Center Mm -hmm. on the second day at night, we have the celebration. Mm -hmm. We do. And I'm an introvert. And Mm -hmm. even though there is a lot of silence and Mm -hmm. solitude, typically at that point in in a retreat setting, Mm -hmm. I would want to go back to my room. Mm -hmm. But I never did. Mm -hmm. I I always was hungry for Mm -hmm. that celebration. So I think the rhythm of that. And I loved how that grew over time. You know, like... I think you said at first in the TC, it was, it was a, it was a pretzels and, mm-hmm. you know, and good and plenty. Yes. A bag and good, of pretzels and good and, and, and plenty. The men and, were the ones that were yeah. in charge of the hospitality <laughs> at that point. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Lord help us. But then it, it, it grew and mm-hmm. it, it morphed into what became a lot of great food and wine. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. So I think, um, what, what you're talking about here and what we want to really hit on for communities, leadership communities is you have to have corresponding concrete mm-hmm. practices right. that go along with your values mm-hmm. or else they're just aspirational values that exactly that you mm-hmm. never hit. So, And I also believe they need to be articulated in words that mean something to the community. So adopting somebody else's set of values probably won't be all that effective because the values needs, needs to be articulated with your words, the words mm-hmm. of your community and how you understand it. And also, I think another way to, to identify values is after hard knocks, after hard learning. So the little group that gathered for that hard talk that they had where they were sharing things, values came out of that. Like next time something like this happens, we are going to talk honestly about it. We are going to tell the truth because we believe that the truth will set us free. It might hurt, but we're going to tell the truth um, and because it hurts us when we don't. So that value grows out of a difficult experience, but it's in you now. And you realize that to live without that value destroys the very heart of your life together in community. It's not even possible to have community if you're not telling the truth. So truth telling is one of our values, our stated values, of course, with love and grace. But um, It goes back to personal experiences that many of us have had where truth wasn't told and a community falls apart. And it also goes back to scripture, especially Ananias and Sapphira in in Acts 5, where uh, they were actually struck dead, not because they didn't give all the proceeds of their property to the the new community that was growing, but because they lied to the community. So to lie to the community is, um, it's a very serious thing. And many of us in leadership sometimes think that spinning the truth is going to be the best thing for people. Mm -hmm. And spinning, by the way, is just another way of lying Lying. in a very subtle way. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of us have probably been in groups where the question was, how are we going to spin this so that people can so that people can actually accept it or so that it'll be palatable to them. Well, I don't believe that's what the New Testament teaches. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually, and I've experienced times when it's been destructive to spin the truth rather than to trust that people can handle the truth. Um, Ruth, do do you think that if you haven't been through a transforming kind of mutually listening process when a tough mm -hmm. decision gets made, it's, you almost have to spin. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, because you you don't even you're not even on the same page yourselves yeah. on what the truth mm-hmm. is. Um, well, or you may know it. I mean, especially when it's a hard truth. Yeah. I mean, like this, like say moral failure of some right. of a pastor, and you you think, well, 
and we don't want to tell everybody mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. you know, and so you try to right, do something different right, right, with right, right. it. So you all in, in the inner circle know, but the attempt is to make it more palatable to people that you think can't handle the truth. But in the end, the, the truth always either comes back to bite us or people stop trusting the leadership because they know they're not being told the truth. Right, right. Oh, oh. Okay, so you've you've talked about some of the ways in which you've gotten concrete mm-hmm. about spiritual transformation, um, about you know if you have a value of prayer, we have a practice of fixed hour prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit more about the value of rest and retreat, mm-hmm. because I think as we've talked earlier about the busyness, and most people don't have sane rhythms of work and rest. Mm-hmm. How would a church or a nonprofit culture start to develop concrete mm-hmm. practices of rest yeah. and retreat? Yeah. Well, um, actually, the the other the other practice that helps us with many of these values would be the practice of having a rule of life. Okay. And so, you know, obviously, in the transforming transforming center, we all go through a process of cultivating a rule of life and then beginning to practice it, and also. Uh, reevaluating it every so often, doing some gentle noticing to see if it's still a rhythm that works for us. And so um, having sacred rhythms, having a rule of life does a couple things. First of all, it means that each individual in our community has a, a personal rhythm of spiritual practices that is keeping them open and available to God. And that's part of our commitment to spiritual transformation, is that all of us are finding ways to open. And that's, that is just essential. But the, also, having sacred rhythms deals with this issue of rest and work and establishing sane rhythms of work and rest. And so we teach and practice you know, looking at our daily rhythm to make sure there's time to rest our souls in God through solitude, uh, weekly rhythm, which involves your Sabbath, um, quarterly or annually, at least having a longer retreat where we can rest and really be present to God. And we know that um, as we settle and get more and more quiet, that we hear more from God. And that's just the truth. Um, Yes. The jar of river water does settle and we begin to hear and experience the presence of God more clearly. So, um, the idea of having at least one significant retreat a year is also a, a, an important part of our rhythms. Um, and it's an important part of my rhythm. And so these are, again, values and practices for opening to God together. Right. We've moved mm-hmm. past just personal practices, though we're talking about them still, yes. mm-hmm. so that we can be a spiritual community that is discerning. Yeah, and these are the things we do together yeah. to open to God together. And I think that w- what I've heard sometimes is people say, well, we just expect our people to show up prayed up. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, really? Which which lets us off the hook with having yeah. any corporate practice <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, no, I think that any spiritual community has to have some ways of, of opening to God together. We have mm. to have a shared practice of silence, a shared practice of prayer, a shared practice of celebration, which is, by the way, celebration is the practice that corresponds to the value of being grateful. Mm-hmm. So the value is gratitude. Yeah. And we know from Scripture that gratitude is really important, that it's an enlivening yeah. uh, practice and attitude. But how do you do that together? Well, you do that by routinely celebrating. That's the practice that corresponds to gratitude. Mm-hmm. And so we have our ways of doing that in a staff situation as well. We're always celebrating. And people will say it's one of my favorite things about working here is that we make sure we, we celebrate because um, that's our way of saying to God, we are grateful for what you've done among us. And we've just passed our 15-year anniversary and had a big shindig um, to celebrate. And it felt very, very consistent because we celebrate regularly and routinely. Our 15-year celebration just felt like us being who we are. Man. 
that is something I would observe in the Transforming Center mm-hmm. and in you. There's a intensity mm-hmm. to the things that you do and the Transforming mm-hmm. Center does. And I remember times on the retreats where you would get intense with us about our devices or about our, you know, sometimes talking too much. Yes. You've noticed during mm-hmm. during the silence and solitude time, you'd see people walking together and you would kind of get in our face. And though, you're someone who laughter comes so easily. Mm-hmm. I and love to laugh and have fun. So yeah. there, I, mm-hmm. I, I see that um, you can cultivate a, a, a value of gratitude and celebration mm-hmm. and joy and be really yeah. pretty intentional and intense with mm-hmm. with what we yeah. care about and what we're trying to do. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, it, yes, that that is true. Because I think if you're going to be that intense, and I am, then it helps you to be a more fully ordered person. If you can, you know, lean into the fun of it sometimes as well. Uh, the intensity then is a healthier kind of thing because you know you can let it go. You're not, you know, too attached to it. The other practice, I think, that keeps us open to God is to have some emphasis on self-examination and confession within your life and community. And so um, to not only practice self-examination as a private discipline, but also have as a part of your value in community that there will be times when what we need to do in community is to confess our false self patterns. And that's hard because many of us in a leadership environment are just trying to put our best foot forward. And there's a whole lot of socialization that we have to not ever own it. Right. But there is an expectation and a practice here. We are always owning our stuff um, in the Transforming Center. And it's a part of what feels healthy and good. And we do use the Enneagram and other tools to do that. But we will name it often, regularly, routinely. That, that was just my you know, that was just my, you know, four self, you know, or that was just my three self. And, and then confessing it and saying, I'm sorry that, that my false self stuff got in the way there. And it, it just keeps us with short accounts. It's all, it's clean and clear then because we're practicing confession. And, um, as it relates to truth telling or these kinds of harder conversations, we've said that when someone comes to you, initiating a harder type of conversation that before you say anything else, before you defend yourself, before you rationalize, before you explain why you did what you did, you stop and you say, thank you for bringing this to me directly because you are honoring the commitment that we've made to one another in mm-hmm. community. That every time that happens, the first thing we say is to affirm our life together in community. And that by doing this, by coming to me with that truth, you are honoring our life together in community and living a value that we have embraced by practicing confession, truth-telling, things like that. And it's a part of what keeps us healthy, and it's a part of what keeps us from having stuff just boil under the surface and resentments and things like that. So I would also suggest considering confession, corporate confession or interpersonal confession as being one value and practice that we would elevate as being important for communities' life long-term. You know, you kind of, you said this thing, we assume our people to be prayed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me think, I think we assume our people to do, to be all of those things yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Hey, before you get mm-hmm. here. Do this. Yeah. Should, be ready. You should confess. Yeah. You mm-hmm. should have already yeah. done your Bible mm-hmm. study. You should yeah. Go. We're not going to do any of that here yeah. because we're too busy. Yeah. You, you, you got to. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, depending on your personality, you're going to be listening to this going, oh, I, I need to forward this episode mm-hmm. to my boss mm-hmm. who leads the meeting and because mm-hmm. they need to hear this you also might be of the personality where you go oh gosh i'm such a task person mm-hmm. that this is hard to sort of it's hard not to think all or nothing yeah. um and so can you just give us a 
a one minute example of how a meeting, a board meeting starts at the transforming mm -hmm. center? Like, like, do you light a candle? Mm -hmm. Do you? Yeah. Um, yes, we start um, with evening prayer because we, we usually, when the retreats go the way we love them to go, we will start in the evening. So we'll start with evening prayer fixed hour, mm -hmm. um, which does involve lighting a candle. It does involve mm -hmm. silence. It involves, usually we gather on a Sunday night, so it's going to be the lectionary scripture for the day. Um, and then we have dinner, which is just to catch up humanly. So we yeah. do think our human relationships matter and are important. And then on the first night, we'll get all, we'll get whatever the big issue is or the issues out on the table and have some of the initial discussion. Then we will enter into the great silence, which means that we get to be quiet for our own rest um, and we also get to take whatever we've been discussing into our silence and into our prayer, both for the night and the morning. So on the first night in particular, we don't stay up late socializing. Mm -hmm. We go into silence by 9.15 or 9.20. Um, and then we're silent in the morning as well. And people are not only resting themselves, but also... Um, that's that's a piece of the solitude practice around whatever we're discussing is that we're now taking it into our rest, taking it into God's presence, and um, letting God work with us before we come back together again for discussion. And I know because I know some of the discussions mm -hmm. you've had, you have rigorous discernment. Yes, we do. Discussion. Mm -hmm. um, you meet for hours and yeah. figure out are mm -hmm. we going to. Are we going to move mm -hmm. to this office building? Are we going to yeah. uh, expand to right. another transforming mm -hmm. community, uh, community? Other innovations. I mean, we're in the middle, middle of some really significant future planning and, and initiatives and visions that we believe God has given to us. We, we feel those have been well discerned, but at the same time, you also have to keep discerning how you're going to move forward in a healthy way. And even timing, pace, timing, priority, you know, sequencing, it, all those things become important matters for discernment. Um, even the resourcing, you know, we have to really seek God for what he's actually resourcing right now. Did, in the beginning, when you were developing some of these practices, mm -hmm. did you ever sense anyone was kind of impatient to get to the, to get to the discussion and, boy, we're having, we're having dinner together, great silence. Mm -hmm. we, um, I know that's just a part of your rhythm now, but again, we're, we're, yeah. we're talking about values and practices mm -hmm. for opening to God together. Right. Um, or do you find that actually those things make the discussion so much better and united and well two things one is we started as souls meeting in this way so we started practicing fixed hour prayer before there was a ministry so we don't know ourselves any other right. way than doing these practices so um no we, we what we have we have the other thing happen and that that is actually maybe a member will feel like we haven't done enough yes like we we jump too quickly into discernment or we um made a decision so quickly that we're not sure we fully discerned it. We're not sure we had enough silence with that. Or, you know, yeah. so we, we actually would have critique coming the other way because no one finds themselves on our board without having been through a significant transforming community experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I, I confess openly a time and I, maybe it's in this book, I can't remember where I was the one who actually wanted to jump into the agenda for the day without doing fixed, fixed hour prayer because there was so much to do and I just wanted to get on with it. Um, but God really used the scripture passage in our fixed hour morning prayer to actually reframe the day in my own mind and help me to enter the day in a way that I believe was God's way for us. Um, and he definitely used the scripture reading about limitations to sort of mm. nip my activism a little bit and to say, slow down, Ruth, you know? Um, so it's, it's always a temptation, but this is the, the benefit of rhythms though, yeah. is that you're all in them. And so to violate your rhythms would feel so odd to the group that you, even with peer pressure, you probably wouldn't do it, you know, for, for reasons of peer pressure alone, right. you know, 
I can't renege on something that we've all committed to ourselves to do. Yeah. So it holds us. The commitment holds us. Yeah. Uh, on our staff team, one of our values is attentiveness. Mm-hmm. Attentiveness to God and what God mm-hmm. is doing. And so we always end our meeting. Uh, Kara, one of the associate pastors, mm-hmm. leads us through an examen, mm-hmm. but a, like a communal examen. Yeah. And the question is, all, you, and you can pick one of the two questions, but mm-hmm. where have you participated in God's work mm-hmm. at Genesis? And then mm-hmm. when have you maybe failed to participate right. or, or, or resisted something? Mm-hmm. And consistently that helps us um, remember that, oh, we are attending to God's will right. here. We're attending to the work of the Spirit. We're hearing each other, how we've yeah. participated and haven't participated. Um, and so that, you know, and we spend maybe 15 minutes in that right. at the end of each meeting. Mm-hmm. So it's not an hour. It's not two right. hours, uh, but that's very helpful for yes, us. Yes, yes. Yeah. We have used, we use the examine, you know, when we, after we finished a whole transforming community um, which is a two-year process, but we'll have a celebration lunch. As I said, we celebrate all the time for whatever reason. And what we'll do at that that lunch, rather than doing evaluation, we will actually um, open the floor for noticing consolations and desolations. And that is, and and so what's nice is that the consolations will take you to a celebratory attitude, but the desolations will often take you to a place where something could have been better or different. But the framing of it is so different than let's talk about what went well and what didn't, you know, which can go to more of a shaming place. Right. But to talk about one's desolation, like I was, you know, like, um, I felt, I felt some desolation when we, you know, failed to do this in that way or something like that, just a different way of approaching it. And so that's a place also where we, um, we'll use consolations and desolations as a way of paying attention to where God was present and where we felt, you know, a little bit off center. You know, it's interesting. I, I was just on a four day, um, you know, 9 a.m. to midnight every day, every day hmm. gathering. And, How was your examen oh in that? Lord. Well, it, I, I really did. Yeah. Around the, the end of the third day, I noticed I was feeling mm-hmm. depleted. Yeah. Yes, because I was busy, but also I was feeling disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop and say, like, mm-hmm. what am I? Yeah. Um, what is that? Mm-hmm. And what I noticed, I, I, I had talked to a lot of people about certain issues. Mm-hmm. And they were really good conversations. They were rich. They were enlightening yeah. and enlivening. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed in my spirit was I was craving someone to sit down with me mm-hmm. and have a personal conversation yeah. about mm-hmm. how I'm doing with yeah. my life and my family. And I wanted to hear that from mm-hmm. others. So I, I, I just noticed, yeah. oh, um, now, you know, that's not a pro and con, but, oh, yeah. I need that. So now, how will I move forward into my next few days and start right. pursuing that? Yeah. Well, and the other thing that you're pointing out is that there's a difference between being stimulated right. and being attended to, it's, you know? And one's, as good as it is, it's still exhausting, where the other one probably would be more life-giving at this point. Yeah. Um, and as an introvert, let me tell you, the Transforming Center... That first mandatory night on Sunday night <laughs> where it is 9 p.m. Yeah. and you cannot go mm-hmm. hang out somewhere. There's no FOMO. Mm-hmm. You know, you just yeah. have to go back to your room. I always felt so cared for. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, you know, it's great silence. So mm-hmm. we're not going to, you're not going to open your mouth mm-hmm. and talk until uh, the, the until we do fix our prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always such a... Um, as an introvert, I felt so cared for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone knows what I really need. Yeah. And they're giving me that rather yeah. than something else. Yeah. So we're going to head into, in the next episode, 
values and practices for being safe together. And I think that's going to be just another step as we move toward becoming a spiritual community that learns to discern together. Because um, as we have moved through values and practices that help us to open to God together, that's going to lead us further and further into more honesty, more conversations, more conflict transformation. So we're going to have to create safe places uh, so we can listen to each other. So that'll be good. Uh, do you have a prayer that you'd like to end this episode mm-hmm. with? Yeah. So this is a prayer that will just affirm our life together in community and our intention to be together as a community that opens to the Spirit of God. Oh God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and loving our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united with one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, so we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. In July, the Transforming Center will launch their 15th Transforming Community. If God has stirred up something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin a transforming leadership journey of your own. I joined Transforming Community number six way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. The Transforming Community experience is designed to better integrate your faith and your leadership. The two-year experience of spiritual formation is designed for pastors, leaders, and influencers. It is grounded in scripture, animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation in community, and it's informed by the richness and diversity of our Christian heritage. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please leave a comment wherever you listen to the podcast and visit transformingcenter.org to learn more about how to apply for the next Transforming Community.